Hey there, this is Brian Horn. Hey, this is Keith Krantz. Hey, this is Todd Brown from MarketingFunnelAutomation.com, and you're listening to Traffic Jam. Coming to you in your speakers from Dubai to all around the globe. This is James Reynolds Traffic Jam Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey there, listener. What's up? Welcome back to Traffic Jam. This, of course, is the podcast show that teaches you how to get more traffic and build a profitable audience online. I am your host, as always, James Reynolds, and I'm super excited for another awesome show that we have for you today. Now, I'll tell you all about our guest in just a moment. But before that, I want to say a quick thank you and give a wee shout out to Brad Zomik from skilledup.com. And that's because he left some awesome feedback for the show and also a five star iTunes rating. So thank you to you, Brad. Now, I truly appreciate it if you too left a review and rating for the show. You can let me know what you like least. You can let me know what you like most about Traffic Jam and perhaps who you'd like me to interview on a future show. Now, leave your feedback on iTunes or Stitcher and I'll read it out on next week's episode. The Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. On to this week's show. Well, we're joined by Todd Brown from marketingfunnelautomation.com, who is surprisingly going to be talking to us about marketing funnels. Now, you can download bonus marketing funnels training along with this episode by going to trafficjamcast.com forward slash 56. And I'll spell that out again, trafficjamcast.com forward slash the number 56. So head on over there now, grab your downloads and then listen along to the show. So back to our guest. Well, Todd Brown was introduced to me by Ryan Levesque. And when a funnels guy like Ryan gives his endorsement of a fellow marketing funnels specialist, well, I take note. Now, Todd is recognized as one of the foremost authorities at engineering marketing funnels that produce leads and customers often at triple or quadruple the average value experienced by competitors. He's worked alongside internet marketing guys like Rich Sheffron and Jeff Walker, and he's co-orchestrated multiple six-figure launches within the internet marketing community. So there you go. That's a real brief intro. And now over to Todd Brown himself from Marketing Funnel Automation. Hey there, listener. Welcome back to the interview section of Traffic Jam 56. And joining me right here today is Todd Brown. Todd, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for coming on board. So you've got this website called Six Figure Funnel Formula, where you show people how to set up their first online sales funnel. Let's start with some of the basics. What exactly is a sales funnel and how do we go about setting one of these things up? So despite what often gets talked about as a sales funnel, I really just look at a sales funnel as 
the sequence of communications that a business delivers to a prospect or customer designed to move the prospect or customer to take a particular action. So typically when we talk about a marketing funnel, typically we're talking about uh, the marketing sequence or the marketing activities that go out to prospects designed to turn those prospects into a first-time customer, to get them to participate in their first transaction. And so that's really... Uh, that's really all there is to it. It's just what message are you delivering to those prospects? Um, what does that message consist of in terms of number of steps, in terms of uh, different channels that you're utilizing with the ultimate aim of moving them to uh, to become a customer? Got it. And I guess in that definition, it could be as simple a step as getting someone to make contact, getting someone to subscribe to an email list. It's just nudging them along that little sequence to move them closer towards being a customer. Would that be right? Yeah, I, I yes. The answer is yes, that is right. I like to look at it a little bit uh, from a little bit of a higher perspective in that ultimately what we're looking at is we're looking at what is the ultimate goal let's say in any one instance when you're communicating with let's say a prospect for example and even though there are multiple steps along the way like one of those steps might be filling out a contact form another step might be picking up the phone and and calling your sales department those are all kind of steps uh, and stages of a bigger more overall uh, uh, marketing funnel that's ultimately designed for like you know an end action Right. So those are steps in the process of reaching that ultimate goal. Do you think that's where some people perhaps get a little bit caught up with this stuff? Because when you do look at the bigger picture, there are so many moving parts, so many different steps that if I was to look at my own funnel, if you were to look at yours and our listeners was to take a delve into, you know, what happens within their own business, there are so many steps that could occur from someone first finding out about the business through to them actually becoming a customer. Do you think that people get a little bit overawed by this because of just the potential complexity and potential size of this thing? Absolutely. I, I, and I think a lot of that comes from approaching the development of a marketing funnel uh, backwards. You know, I think mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of chief marketing officers, a lot of just marketers in general, they'll start with looking at, well, what are the different stages that I should have and what what are the different things that I can communicate at those different stages and different steps of the funnel? And and they can really, you know, very quickly, you can get overwhelmed by all of that. Whereas the, the right way to start to build out your funnel is really to take a step back and look at your, let's say, again, talking about prospects, look at your prospects and ask yourself, what is it that they need to know to be able to buy? What yeah. is it that they need to ultimately believe? Right. And I think that this is, this is, it's a weird thing because this is one of the most critical elements of building out a funnel and yet this is the this is one of those areas that just gets so it's it's overlooked so often and it's look what do your prospects need to believe at the end of your marketing funnel no matter how long or short that funnel is what do they need to believe so that when you ultimately when you eventually present them with the opportunity to buy they see it as the absolute best decision for their current situation and only until you've 
got that until you've unpacked that, until you've got clarity on that, what they need to believe so that they can buy, should you even begin to think about, well, what is the best way to then present my message to accomplish those beliefs? And what are the different stages, if you will, that I'll ultimately need to bring this prospect through as I'm leading them through those different beliefs? Yeah. So I guess there's some key things to consider here before starting out. And one, and I guess sort of listening into what you're saying, Todd, the big one perhaps is really understanding what outcome you want at the end of that process. But what are some of the other things that we kind of need to consider before we start putting together any of the architecture, you know, mapping out what messages people are getting at what time and even what mechanisms are being used? What are kind of some of those big picture things that we need to consider first? Yeah, so we got to start from the very beginning. And even before you begin thinking about what should you be communicating in your marketing message, like before you even think about uh, any of that, you've got to go back to what's typically referred to as marketplace sophistication. And you've got to understand what is the what is the sophistication level of your market. And all that really means is what are the marketing messages, the, the promises, the claims, the benefit statements that your prospects have been exposed to uh, and are being exposed to by competitors. What are competitors saying? What are competitors claiming? What are competitors promising? What are competitors saying in terms of how they're going to deliver on those promises to, um, to your prospects? Like how does their product or service work? What are the, you know, the, the mechanisms behind the, their products and services that ultimately deliver those? Those results. You need to know those things. You need to get an idea of what it is that your competitors are saying and what it is that your prospects are seeing for a couple of very important reasons. For time purposes, I'll just say that you need to know those things so that you can craft a message that number one is at the appropriate sophistication level for your prospects, meaning that, you know, that, you know, based on what it is that they've seen before and heard before, and based on what it is that they've been inundated with, that ultimately determines what it is that they will respond to going forward. And excuse me. And like one of the examples that I give uh, is with marketplace sophistication is like at one point in time, there were no fat burners on the market. There were no pills that people could take to burn fat. And then all of a sudden, some entrepreneur, some company came out with the very first fat burner. Well, the very first fat burner in terms of marketing, all they had to say was take this pill and you'll lose weight and people flock to it. Today, because of marketplace sophistication, because of competition, because of what other companies have said and promised and claimed, if we rolled out with a supplement, a fat burner today, and we made that same claim, take this pill and you'll lose weight, we'd get crushed. And we wouldn't we wouldn't sell anything because the market is at a totally different marketplace sophistication level. So that's one thing. You've got to understand where your prospects are at. Uh, based on what it is that they've been exposed to. The other reason why we need to know that is because we need to be able to design and craft and engineer a marketing message that is unique, that is different, that is fresh, that that is seen as um, as unique in the marketplace. And if you don't know what your competitors have said and promised and claimed, well, then you, you're shooting, you know, in the dark. You're you're taking a guess at. So right. So you need to have a marketing message that is unique, original 
fresh, different, and and in the process, it prevents what we call mental opt out, right? Meaning that you know when uh, when a company, when a marketer designs a message that is not unique and different and fresh and and timely and newsworthy and and intellectually and emotionally compelling and all those things wrapped in a one, when prospects uh, um, first are exposed to that message or first exposed to that funnel, whether it's on a landing page, whether it's in a direct mail piece, no matter, you know, whether it's TV, radio, whatever it is, they immediately experience this. Oh, I've heard that before. Oh, I've seen that before. Oh, I know about that. Oh, it's more of the same. That's what we call mental opt out. And then they, they, you know, their engagement level goes, you know, in the toilet and, and they either bail or, you know, they, they, they will bail. So, you know, you need to start with, that and that's like at the core of understanding um, the marketplace as a whole before you start to design your marketing message. Does that make sense? Um, absolutely makes total sense. I mean, you've got to you know position yourself you know away from what everyone else is doing to keep people engaged, and you've just got to understand the sophistication of what people are looking for, right? I mean, using the you know the the diet fat burning pill example, if we just claim, hey, we'll help you lose fat. Well, everyone's heard that message a thousand times before. Why are we suddenly going to believe it's going to be any different for this pill? Where it hasn't been for others so yeah it makes total sense and you've got um you've got a formula for kind of crafting a message around this i think todd where you sort of position the solution to be new and different and you identify the right customer can you expand on that a little bit well i i i think there's a there's a couple of things that you can you can do but for time purposes let me let me share one and i i think it's the most valuable thing that any marketer uh, can, can learn. And it's this idea of really before you, again, you know, one more step before you begin crafting the actual message, you've got to recognize that, you know, marketing and selling are two totally different activities, right? Selling is when you talk about the product, when you talk about the product's features, when you talk about the price point, the product's guarantee, et cetera. Marketing is when you talk about the prospect and when you talk about the prospect situation, their needs, their wants, um, and, um, and the best solution for, uh, for their needs. Now, obviously, you know, kind of marketing 101 says that the job of marketing is to make selling superfluous, right? I think that's mm -hmm. a, a quote from Peter Drucker. The job of marketing is to make it so that, right, like selling is unnecessary, where you're basically presenting the, the, the after you do your marketing, you're presenting the product and, um, and you're saying, here it is, here's your opportunity to get it. And if you've done your job, your marketing job, your prospects, they have a, a much higher level of desire for your product even before you talk about it. Now, in order to do that, you have to, there, there, there's an idea, there's some concept that you're presenting to the prospect that you're kind of, your, you know, your, your whole marketing message gets wrapped under. There's an umbrella. There's, it's really what I would call, there is an idea right behind your marketing message. And that idea needs to be intellectually compelling, meaning it needs to be on a, on a pure logical level. It needs to be intriguing, but also it needs to be uh, compelling on an emotional level and it needs to be new, unique, 
and different. And that's what we call the big idea. I first learned that from my good friend and mentor, Michael Masterson, or that's really his pen name. Mark Ford is his name. Um, and it's this, you know, like the days of simply being able to make bigger and bigger promises in your marketing, to scream the loudest promise, to make the biggest claim, the biggest benefit in your marketplace. Those days are long gone because less and less people believe those claims today, right? They're not as credible. You can't simply go into a marketplace and scream louder benefits or more benefits than your competitors. And so in order to get the market's attention, you've got to start by building your marketing funnel message on a big, unique, compelling idea, an idea that is arresting, an idea that makes the prospect feel like, huh, I've never heard that before. Huh, that's that's logically or, or intellectually, that's interesting. That's that's interesting. Uh, on an emotional level, wow, that that's I can see the benefit. I can see the payoff of me even engaging with this message. And remember, what we're talking about here is the the idea behind your marketing, not the idea behind your product, not the hot, not the idea behind why you should buy the product or why you should become a customer, but the idea behind the marketing message, right? And the marketing message, remember, is a message about your prospect, about their situation, about their obstacle, about their, their problem about what they need, their solution and so on. And so you've really got to look for, again, what is, you know, big ideas based on a number of criteria, uh, including it's new, it's unique, it's fresh, it's timely, it's newsworthy, it's immediately understandable. In other words, it's immediately grasped by the, um, by the prospect. It's intellectually uh, compelling. It's emotionally compelling. Um, yeah. And it's, it's based on, you know, one single idea. And of course it's inherent in that is a promise, a big promise, a big, compelling, audacious, promise inherent in that idea does that make sense yep absolutely yeah i'm loving this i'm just letting you free roll because it's such good stuff todd so uh no absolutely following along what do we do next we've got a big idea um we've got a concept on which to base our marketing around there are some mechanics to this there's some steps that we may need to move people through where do we go next yeah. So the next is then when you really design your marketing message, right? When you actually craft the message. So, right. So at this point, like, you know, you've got an understanding of the marketplace sophistication. You understand the market. You understand what they've been exposed to. You understand kind of what's going to move them and what's not going to move them. You've kind of engineered or developed a big idea behind your marketing funnel that's arresting, that's, you know, startling, shocking, that's going to draw them in. And now it's time to, um, to design your message, right? Like, so, okay. So what do you see? to move prospects from being prospects to customers. Well, that's when we go back to what is it that prospects need to believe to buy. And kind of the, for time purposes, the best example or metaphor that I could share uh, um, with this particular part or step in the, in the process of developing your marketing funnel is here's where you've got to think like a prosecutor. You've got to think like a prosecuting attorney who is, you know, they're, 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 um, you know, there, there's a defendant in the courtroom. They're presenting their case. The prosecutor uh, uh, is presenting their case to the jury in an attempt to, let's say, find this defendant guilty of a 
particular crime. Well, just like a prosecutor knows that there are certain critical things that the jury needs to believe, and there is kind of a sequence to the things that they need to believe, if ultimately at the end, by the time that prosecutor rests his case, um, he knows that there are certain things or she knows that there are certain things that that jury needs to believe. And so that prosecutor then begins to present each of the facts, each of the, you know, the, the prosecutor makes a series of statements and claims in an order, you know, in, in sequence, in the right sequence, building a case, getting the jury to believe what it is that they want them to believe, ultimately leading them to the belief that, yes, this person is guilty, right? And so um, just like a prosecutor does where it is basically a series of claims and benefit statements followed by a preponderance of proof, that's what you as a marketer, that's what you as a, uh, a CMO or a, you know, a business owner need to have happen in your marketing funnel. Remember that, you know, at the essence of most marketing, most marketing, even, you know, even inadequate marketing are a bunch of claims like my, my, you know, like you need this if you want to, excuse me, um, get thin or you know, you take this pill and it prevents the absorption of fat or, you know, you um, you do this and you'll grow bigger tomatoes. All of those statements, right, which are typical, you know, typical statements that you find in a marketing or sales piece or advertisement. Those are all claims. And one of the biggest mistakes that marketers and entrepreneurs make is thinking that the market is just going to believe what it is that you say because you said it and you said it with conviction. The reality is that they're doubting everything you say because they are are on guard because they know that you are ultimately trying to sell them on something and it's a it's a it's a protective mechanism it's a defense mechanism for prospect they're looking for reasons to doubt you they're looking for cracks in your armor they're looking for excuses not to feel guilty in the end if they don't buy and so the reality is the healthier a, a more productive way to look at this is they don't believe a darn thing that you say until you prove it to them so when you make any kind of claim in your marketing, or I should say for every claim you make in your marketing, you need to prove it. You need to offer proof. And there's, you know, a dozen different proof points, literally a dozen different proof points that you can use um, and you should use um, throughout your, your marketing. But that's really what that whole marketing message becomes. It's like claim, proof, benefit statement, you know, meaning this. So what that means for you is claim, proof, benefit statement, right? Claim, proof, benefit statement all the way through until you've kind of established all the beliefs in your head that the prospect needs um, so that when you do then present your offer, right? Ultimately, when you segue into the sales portion of your quote unquote marketing funnel, they're then ecstatic because you just convince them that they need a, a, a particular solution and now you're offering them a, a way to get that solution, right? So they're sold on everything, that, they're quote unquote sold on everything that you, you, you got them to buy into during the marketing portion. And so now when you offer your product, they're thrilled. It seems to be a lot of what is underlying this is this whole element of trust right and i think guess that's probably a a stage at which we're at in the sort of evolution of marketing where 
we have gone through this phase of people hyping up um, claims and making these huge big offers and the market becoming kind of blind to it all. The the companies that seem to be doing well and the I guess the sales funnels that seem to do so well are the ones that are inherently trustful where people go through them and not only do they believe the, the claims to be true, but they trust the, the company or the person behind them. Would you Would you say that's the case? Yeah, I, I definitely think, you know, there is there's a, a a level of trust that is always, always needed, you know, and that's why without getting too deep into a different topic, but, you know, that's why the back end, meaning, you know, all the marketing that a company does with existing customers, clients, patients, et cetera, it's why the back end is infinitely easier um, and it's really, you know, why the back end is is where all of the profit come comes from in um, in business. Um, and it's because there's a trust level there, right? And you know, the the most difficult transaction to generate is that first transaction because there is no trust, there is no relationship, and so it's why you know, on the front end, which is all the marketing that you do with prospects in an attempt to convert them into happy, new paying customers. It's why you've got to present certain elements in your marketing funnel to gain their trust, right? And and because look, you know, on the back end, you've gained their trust by delivering on what it is that you promised to them in their original purchase. So, right, it's, it's why it's so essential that you know, on every transaction, but especially the the front end transaction, the very first transaction that you have with a a, a brand new customer, that you over deliver value, that you exceed their expectations, because the ongoing trust that you have or lose with them is going to be dependent on the experience that they have with whatever it is that they just purchased. But when you're talking about a prospect, they don't have the luxury of that experience. And so all of the trust that they can experience or 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 feel with you is derived from marketing. And, you know, there's, you know, certain aspects of that that are potentially beyond your control, you know, what the marketplace says, what, you know, what's said about you in social media, but there's also a tremendous amount that is directly within your control that can be engineered and strategically used in your marketing, like, you know, establishing credibility. Um, there's lots of different things that you can do to establish, you know, credibility. There's demonstrating track record. And then, of course, there is um, there's, a, you know, a preponderance of proof. And look, when you demonstrate your credibility, let's say, you know, let's say we came out with again, let's go back to that, you know, supplement example. Well, you know, we could establish credibility by talking about, you know, that are the formulation our, our supplement was designed by a team of MDs and we could list out, you know, who they are, their credentials, their, um, their experience that they've, you know, X number of them are, are published authors. They, they're professors at, you know, prestigious universities. Then of course we can show track record. You know, we can show that, you know, that out, you know, out of a thousand people that have used the supplement, X percentage of pounds have been lost in the first week, month, year, um, et cetera. And then, when we make 
a variety of different claims throughout our marketing, like meaning, let's say we're talking about the e efficacy of the different ingredients in the supplement, and we're saying that you know the most powerful, the most powerful uh, um, ingredient for fat burning is you know whatever L-carnitine, right? Well, then we can offer studies that back that up. We can show excerpts from trade journals, and so all of those things taken together. Um, are what help us to establish trust in the mind of the prospect and again, get them to believe what it is that we're saying. You know, and I'll, I'll finish with this, you know, that, you know, in marketing, it, it's one thing to tell the truth, right? Like it's one thing to tell the truth. It's another thing to be believable. And so, you know, just because something is true doesn't mean that it is um, believable. And so the most important thing is that you're, you know, that when you say something that your prospects believe what it is that you're saying. And so, um, that's why proof is such an incredibly, um, vital part of any marketing campaign. It's why Gary Benzevanga, one of the greatest, most successful living advertising copywriters to this day, talks about like at the foundation of every million dollar plus campaign, there is an extraordinary amount of proof. It's why my buddy Jeff Walker with Product Launch Formula talks about no proof, no no launch. It's why you know the biggest uh, uh, direct response um, publishing companies like Agora, their campaigns are just laden with proof point after proof point after proof point because it turns a claim into a fact it makes the prospects believe it makes the prospects um their their trust level goes up and prospects that are a uh, believe and trust are a lot more likely to buy well let's get close to finishing up on a, a couple of things the first thing i wanted to ask you about is um conversions and of course when it comes to any aspect of conversion testing is critical but i'm guessing with a sales funnel which has you know many many moving parts to it there's going to be some aspects that are more critical to test than others what would they be todd if we were to sort of zero in on those yeah that's a great question the 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 right answer to that is that you identify what is the constraint in the funnel and then you test that constraint and so the best way the easiest way to understand what I mean by constraint is picture your funnel like a um a chain you know with different links and on every chain there is one weakest link and the strength of the chain is dependent on the strength of the weakest link it doesn't matter if you strengthen all the other links your chain will only be as strong as that weakest link and if you want to improve the strength of the chain you have to improve the strength of the weakest link that's the same way that we optimize our funnel and determine what needs to be tested is we look at the different um, metrics related to how the funnel is performing and and the, the the different metrics are dependent on the steps in the funnel and what type of funnel you're using but you look at the different metrics in the funnel and you identify based on those metrics not opinion not guess um, but based on numbers, objective numbers, you identify the constraint, you identify that weakest link. And then once you've identified the weakest link, then you go to work um, testing that uh, that weak link until you can find the, the what is going to strengthen it. And so in one particular in your funnel, the th the the stage or step in your funnel that needs to be tested, 
um, could be vastly different from the step or stage in my funnel that needs to be um, tested and optimized because it all goes back to metrics. So for just a quick example, so like in your typical online based uh, funnel where you've got a, you know, like an opt-in page, let's say, you know, where you're requesting somebody's contact information and then you know, you might look at what is the opt-in rate, meaning what's the percentage of people that hit that page compared to the percentage of people that give you their um, contact information. Then if if you're, you know, if you allow folks to, let's say, buy right on your website, what is the conversion rate of the people that then buy? Uh, what's the percentage of people that abandon their cart, right? Because that's a number that most marketers don't even think about yet. It's usually through the roof. Um, and there's, you know, it's you're looking at the metrics that show the performance of the different stages of the marketing funnel, identifying the weakest one, the one that if you strengthened it would have the biggest impact on the performance of the funnel. And that's the one that you go to work testing. Got it. Got it. Well, you mentioned opinions and assumptions. And I guess as marketers, we try not to make too many, but invariably we do from time to time. What have been some of the most surprising test results that you've ever witnessed, Todd? Yeah, I think, um, you know, let me just say this, that I, I think the reality is when it comes, you know, when it comes to testing, when it comes to your marketing, when it comes to decisions on, on what changes you should make, you never, ever want to go on opinion or assumptions because I've, I've had lots of, I've made, you know, I, I said, if, look, if I was a betting man, I'll bet that this page is going to win. And I've lost more of those internal um, bets or bets with our team over here than I care to admit. Um, because sometimes like, look, the reality is that people are not rational. You know, we like to think of ourselves as rational, evolved, you know, creatures. But the reality is that, you know, the overwhelming majority of decisions that people make are not based on rational thinking or not based on logic. They're based on deeper, more, um, you know, emotional drivers, emotional triggers. And so certain things that we think logically would work oftentimes don't. And so when it comes to your marketing, one of the worst things that you can do is implement a change change without, without at least tracking it, if not testing it against a prior version, because, um, man, I, many more times I, I've been in situations where we made the change and the change that I made, um, whether it be adding audio to a page or adding a video or taking the video away, um, the, it's it's suppressed response, whether it be it's suppressed opt-in rate, it's suppressed sales, or it's suppressed, uh, you know, who knows? Say, so, you know, just like with price point, you know, for most marketers, they're simply guessing at what is the best price point. They have no idea and they'll make a change and they won't track it and they don't know if they're making less money and they'll go on, you know, so, you know, sub, you know, they're in, in, and that's the beauty of direct response marketing. In direct response marketing, where you're asking for a specific action and then you can see whether they take that action or not, you can hold every single thing accountable. And so there's no reason whatsoever to, um, to do anything um, based on opinion. Because really, to answer your question, there's no rhyme or reason to the test results that, I mean, my gosh, I've seen stuff work in one funnel uh, for one product with one appeal. And then that thing that worked really well, got crushed in a different funnel. Same audience, 
different product, you know, like, so you, it's, you've got to test and track everything before you make a decision about, um, what changes you're going to make, what additions you're going to put in, what things you're going to take out, et cetera, and let the numbers drive what it is that you do. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's, I think, appropriately wrap things up on that point. There was plenty of directions that interview could go, and I think we hardly touched the surface. So I think to be fair on you, Todd, and also fair to our listener, we should direct them off somewhere to dive deeper into this topic a little bit more. So where should we send our listeners off to as a result of listening to this? Uh, I think there are two places they can go. The first is, uh, you mentioned earlier, is um, Six Figure Funnel Formula. It's uh, all spelled out, sixfigurefunnelformula.com. There's a four-part video series there that is better than some paid training programs, uh, well worth your time to go through. You can go through it at your own pace. The other, um, the other site is our main website, and that's just at marketingfunnelautomation.com. If you want to read, we put up a bunch of uh, posts and videos and audios, which you can find at marketingfunnelautomation.com forward slash blog. And go there, read a bunch of, like I said, articles, posts, and uh, yeah, we dive deep into a lot of these areas and have fun. Cool stuff. Well, to you, the listener, if you haven't managed to take note of those two places, they will, of course, be in the show notes for episode 56, which you get to by going to trafficjamcast.com forward slash the number 56. So uh, head on over there. You'll find all of those resources and more. So all that remains, Todd, is for me to thank you for coming on. It's been an absolute blast and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much. Been my pleasure. So there you go. That was Todd Brown from marketingfunnelautomation.com. Thank you for listening into episode 56. We will be back with another episode next week where we'll be turning our attention to blog traffic. So keep an ear out for that show. Remember to get the bonus train that comes along with this episode. Head on over to trafficjamcast.com forward slash 56. That's trafficjamcast.com forward slash the number five six, where you can also get your hands on the full transcript of this show, special episode artwork and a host of other goodies as well. Now, so as not to miss next week's show, remember to subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher Radio. And the links to do that are trafficjamcast.com forward slash iTunes and trafficjamcast.com forward slash Stitcher. And whilst you're there, you could leave a review for the show as well. That would be really appreciated. Now, we end this week's show with a traffic jam. It's a Todd Brown chosen track and it's called Keep Your Head Up by Andy Grammer. So enjoy the track. I'll see you here next week. I've been waiting on the sunset, bills on my mindset. I can't deny they're getting high, higher than my income. Income's breadcrumbs. I've been trying to survive. The glow that the sun gets right around sunset helps me realize this is just a journey. Drop your worries. You are gonna turn out fine. Oh, you turn out fine. Fine. Oh, you turn out fine. But you gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down, hey. You gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down, hey. I know it's hard, know it's hard to remember sometimes.
let your head down. Hey, 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 hey. I got my hands in my pockets, kicking these rocks. It's kind of hard to watch this life go by. I'm buying into skeptics. Skeptics mess with the confidence in my eyes. I'm seeing all the angles, stars get tangled. I start to compromise my life and my purpose. Is it all worth it? Am I gonna turn out fine? Oh, you turn out fine Fine, oh, you turn out fine But you gotta keep your head up, oh And you can let your head down, hey You gotta keep your head up, oh And you can let your head down, hey I know it's hard, no Circling around again, it comes around again. I said only rainbows after rain. The sun will always come again, and it's a circle. Circling around again, it comes around, but you gotta keep your head up. Oh, and you can let your head down. Hey, you gotta keep your head up. Oh, and you can let your head down. Hey, I know it's hard. Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. To know more about this program and to subscribe for future episodes, check out the website, trafficjamcast.com.